Puss. Crack. Big. Dogs. Welcome, Bike, to the channel. Welcome, Bike, to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE. Big dogs got to eat. And we're about to recap everything that happened in week six of the NFL season as it pertains to our fake football teams, fantasy football, as we always do. And we're going to jump into some early looks at the waiver wire. As I always do, I will be dropping the full waiver wire video tomorrow on the YouTube channel. So make sure you are subscribed if you're not already. We will also be dropping our in-depth article, as we always do, our fab guidance article on the site, bdge.store forward slash community all right become a member there we're gonna uh, we're gonna light up some some palo santo put the spirits in our favor while the people nestle in how we doing everybody how was your week six mine was fucking terrible as always it's really hard to enjoy sundays for me to be honest because it's like it's like uh I want my teams to do good, obviously, right? But I'm also in like seven leagues, which means I have access to every player pretty much. Uh, and then more importantly, like I want to make sure that the players that I answer for you guys, like your team does well. So my sit-star questions, I'm concerned about. And I'm concerned about the guys that I told people that were going to be good in the beginning of the year that I didn't draft. So that puts out the whole other part of the pool. Then we have players that I said were going to stink that do really well. So it's basically just one giant fucking L for me every Sunday in which anxiety just murders me. Hmm, hopefully this can unmurder me, dig me up from the ground. We have some very, 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 very big news coming up for the brand and the company, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Uh, possibly the biggest news we've ever dropped, actually. Super, super excited to share with you guys. Um, I have a few things, a few few ducks I got to get in a row, as they say. We got to fasten the seatbelts. I think I lit that, too. Why is there, like, juice coming from this? I feel like that doesn't usually happen. I don't know. It smells good, though. If any of you guys are interested in Palo Santo, it's just, like, the basic shit I order off Amazon. It smells good. It smells good as fuck. I'm like my fantasy team stinks. All right. So basically, we're going to go game by game, recap what happened this week, talk about some of the implications. There was a ton. I mean, every week, it's a broken record kind of shit. Ton more injuries. Um, there was something else that I kind of wanted to start the video off with, something I've been thinking about a lot more as it pertains to how we think about like fantasy football as a season and players individually, more, more so like towards um like sit starts per se okay because we as fantasy players we argue it's so funny we're so contradictory we argue all summer we argue about players and we use the past statistics to argue in favor or against a player right we look at what they did last year and we look at we looked at a, a collective sum of stats, okay? And we love to use that to be our main argument. Like this guy finished 
as the RB15 or the wide receiver 12, or he finished outside the top 40 wide receivers, right? We love to use, oh my God, there are just sparks and everything fucking flying around everywhere. Uh, we love to use these end of season numbers in our arguments. But we also like consciously know that there's zero consistency when it comes to those numbers. Yet we try to force consistency like into this container and argue for it. I'm sorry. Um, like we, we, we go so heavily at an argument that's based around end of season stats and like collective stats, yet there's no consistency to fantasy football, which brings me to like your sit start questions or your sit start. The, the fact that we recap each and every week, and then we have these differing opinions on the same player each and every week. And it, the, the reason I started thinking about this more is because like we get so many questions about guys like, and this is the example I'm going to use Marvin Jones, Cole Beasley, like AJ Green, Christian Kirk. We kind of know what they are as players, right? Like we know Christian Kirk will end the season as like the wide receiver 33. Okay. But yet we still get like one week he'll come off a bad game and we'll start to think of him as a wide receiver 45. Then we'll have a good game and then we start to think of him as a top 25 wide receiver. But we know inherently that the end of season numbers don't come with any sort of consistency. So you should be looking more at what you believe the season long prognosis of a player is when you do your sit start decisions. It shouldn't matter what the previous game or two games or even three games look like if you still believe that this guy is going to perform at the end of the season when you look back at his numbers as what you thought about in the beginning of the season. It's it would be like trying to predict the next play for a player, right? Like for instance, I this week in Etown Get Down, um, as many of you guys probably did, sat Marvin Jones, right? Coming off of back-to-back really shitty weeks, right? And the question we should have asked ourselves before this start, before the, the weeks began was, do we still believe Marvin Jones is a top 35 fantasy wide receiver going forward, right? Or do we think he's going to finish as like the wide receiver 28 going forward and for the rest of the season? What is a wide receiver 28 score? I don't know, like 11.3 fantasy points per game or some shit. If your answer from this point forward is that, yeah, Marvin Jones is going to be the wide receiver 28 or Marvin Jones is going to be a top 30 wide receiver going forward, then you should look at that 11.3 fantasy points per game and just project that to be the case every single week. It will never actually be that. Some games are going to be worse. Some games are going to be better. But at the end of the year, did you want the wide receiver 28 in your lineup or did you not? So trying to pinpoint the weeks based on what happened in the previous week or the previous two weeks is a really, really poor way to make your fantasy decisions, right? And it's like, that's what I did this week, right? Like I sat Marvin, I, I, if you asked me prior to this week, even coming off the two bad games, will Marvin Jones be a top 35 wide receiver going forward? I would have said yes. But yet, I sat him for Cole Beasley, who, if you asked me if I thought he was going to be a top 35 wide receiver going forward for the rest of the season, I would say no. Based on that alone, the last two games, even though Cole Beasley is coming off shitty games as well, this was more like an emotional play because I didn't own Cole Beasley, but I own Marvin Jones. And I'm like, oh, he fucked me in my lineup. I can't play him again. But Cole Beasley did the same shit. But I want to play him because Marvin Jones bit me in the ass. But going forward rest of the season, I continue to think that Marvin Jones at the end of the year will have more fantasy points from this point forward than Cole Beasley. So there's no reason based on even matchup, based on what he did the last two weeks, based on involvement, whatever it is for me to have played Cole Beasley over Marvin Jones. Really bad process, right? So it's like it's like. I don't know if this is making sense, but it makes sense. It really makes sense to me in my head. And I think it's going to be like a really big shift of philosophy for the way I approach my sit starts 
And it's like, imagine, okay, um, the Chargers start off the game, right? And Austin Eckler gets his first carry, and it goes for negative one yards. He gets his next carry, and it goes for two yards. Does that mean if the next – and then they tell you the next play is going to be a carry to Austin Eckler. Does that mean that you think Austin Eckler's next carry is going to go for negative one or one yard or two yards because the last two went for that? No, because we know Austin Eckler is a 5.3 yard per carry player. So we know eventually all of the bad shit that happened will even itself out because we believe that Austin Eckler will be by the end of the game a five yard per carry player or by the end of the season. So you look at it that way. Like we're so pinpointed on this, this, this idea of trying to capture consistency in a bottle that's so fucking physically impossible when it comes to the NFL and when it comes to individual players and, and plays and, and all this type of shit. Okay. So what you need to be asking yourself is like, do I still believe Marvin Jones is a top 30 wide receiver going forward? Will he finish there? If the answer is yes, then you project him to be that 11.5 player week in and week out. It's going to come with good games. It's going to come with bad games, but don't let the emotions fuck with you. Right. And that's where I found myself. And that's the way I'm going to be looking at fantasy players and sit start decisions going forward. Now, yes, like you might have came into the season thinking Marvin Jones was going to be the wide receiver 22 or some shit and you play him accordingly. But as soon as you have new information, as soon as you have new, et cetera, you could switch you could switch your outlook for him. But like do it within reason. Like, OK, maybe he's not the wide receiver 22 anymore. Maybe we look at him as the wide receiver 35. Right. This is just like kind of in your head, just going with the flow, feeling how you whatever the fuck you feel. And then you do your sit starts based on that. It's not like whether I think he's going to be the wide receiver 35 for that for that fucking week, because you're never, ever, ever, ever going to be able to pick that out. OK, so the idea that we can pinpoint when the big games are coming, when the bad games are coming, when the blow up games are coming is really fucking useless and irrelevant. And the point is that if you believe in a player, you just keep sticking him in your lineup because the good, again, is going to come with the bad. And that's for every fucking player. Speaking of every player, they all got fucking hurt this week. All right. We'll start with the injuries and then we will go game by game. We'll get into the breakdown. I hope some of that fucking made sense and I wasn't just spewing like an asshole right there. Kareem Hunt, calf, looks like a grade two calf strain. Going to keep him out uh, four to eight weeks, most likely. He's going to be put on the IR. I believe that is definitely the case. And then I think the, the timetable can be anywhere from four to eight weeks for him to be like really back to play, which is huge news, obviously, because Nick Chubb is already out with the calf strain. I believe Nick Chubb is a little less serious, so he'll be back. Um, but I don't expect either of them to play. I mean, Kareem Hunt, definitely not. But Nick Chubb, I don't think playing because they got Thursday night game this week coming up against Denver. So they have not a lot of rest. And they need a lot of rest to get them calves straight. Okay, so that leaves the backfield open to a few different options, right? You've got Felton, who's like the wide receiver hybrid player kind of um, that they drafted this year as a rookie. And then they have Darius Johnson, who we've seen around in the league for a couple of years now. Um, I'm going to break this backfield down much more in depth in the waiver wire video tomorrow. So again, make sure you're subscribed. The way I look at it is like, listen, Felton has zero carries, literally zero carries up to this point uh, in the year. So the fact that he plays some wide receiver, he has 35 total snaps on the year. Okay. That's going to go up probably. He's going to be used as a little bit more of a weapon, but he's not getting Kareem Hunt's role. All right. I think this offense is just going to have to go with a little more pass happy approach. I think Jarvis Landry is going to be back this week. It's really, it's really, really tough to say on Monday morning, like what we think is going to happen. Cause again, they play Thursday. Baker's bruised up, separated shoulder. OBJ, same shit. Jarvis Landry coming off the IR. Chubb and Hunt both 
banged up. Both their offensive tackles missed this game. Um, Conklin and Wills. So it was like, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here before we actually can decide on what's going on. All I know is Dearness Johnson is for sure the back you want to own here. The question becomes, how valuable is that, right? If the offensive tackles are out again, Baker, I'm sure, is going to end up playing through it. Uh, what's going on with their wide receivers? So that's the biggest uh, injury, I would say, at the running back position. Baker, again, probably dislocated his shoulder. Um, wasn't on his throwing shoulder again. It's going to be super, super painful, but I'm sure he's just going to take some shots and end up playing through it, playing a cast or whatever, a uh, sling. Not someone that you can really, really – tough to trust in fantasy. He's putting up some good stats last couple of weeks, but like it was like the Hail Mary play, boosted him up and shit. So I don't know if I'm going to be trotting him out there, especially not against Denver on the short week. Uh, Dak Prescott, strained calf. They do have their buy coming up, so I'm not as concerned, but we have seen you know strained calves depending on what grade it is. You have Kareem Hunt, you got Nick Chubb, you got George Kittle, all these guys missing multiple weeks most likely. Um, so it can be a thing, but at the quarterback position, you don't need it as much, but he's a mobile quarterback, so it could definitely affect him. Uh, we'll hear more reports as this shit goes on. Again, we had uh, Odell dislocated his shoulder again, but it was the opposite one. So at this point, I don't really know. It could be an AC sprain, sprain or whatever. I'm not the guy to talk on this because, again, I'm only technically a doctor. Um, just stay tuned on reports for Odell, but it's not like a guy that you really want to have in your lineups to begin with, especially not one that's less than – 80% at this point. All right, we've got uh, Kadarius Tony, who's basically the new Odell Beckham over there in New York. Started off absolutely fucking on fire. Um, Daniel Jones threw four passes out the gate. Well, his first four passes, three of them went to Tony. Tony caught three of them for 36 yards, looking to be an absolute blow-up game again. And this was like my thinking going into the to the week. A lot of people were concerned that Sterling Shepard was going to be back. But like, dude, how can you literally watch Tony play and then be like, yeah, Sterling Shepard's going to take away Tony's fucking touches so i was like they're down so many weapons there's no way that their game plan going in wasn't to get the ball in tony's hands asap and do it often and that was the case he ended up uh spraining his ankle ruled out really really quickly which is a concern obviously seems to be a low ankle sprain which is not a huge concern going forward um but he'll probably miss some time one maybe two weeks we'll we'll wait on mri we'll wait on reports and shit davis mark also banged up with the ankle uh this looks like at least from everything I've researched, doctors and shit on Twitter, saying based on the video, very likely a high ankle sprain. That will cost him some time, obviously. You know, one week at the at the best, probably closer to like three weeks. Begs the question, what the fuck happens in this backfield? Um, we will get there once we go over the Ravens game, but Tyson Williams was a healthy scratch again. They had Le'Veon Bell, Devonta Freeman, super involved. Tyson Williams will obviously be active again. Um, there's no one in that backfield. I'm really, really comfortable starting although i think all three of them are probably ownable just because his ravens offense is absolutely heat right now so we'll we'll again dive into that a little bit more in the free agent waiver wire show antonio gibson man this one fucking hurts he's got that stress fracture in the shin um this could get much worse this is not a low ankle sprain where it will like kind of magically heal, heal itself over a week two week span this is something he's been dealing with for a while this is something he's going to be dealing with for a while going forward, um, if they don't shut them down, they got an MRI today. They didn't. I, I don't. I didn't hear any like reports on what it came back with or anything. But he missed basically the entire. Four, he was in and out of the entire game. Missed the whole fourth quarter. JD McKissick became the guy. And honestly, at this point, I don't even know if that had fucking anything to do with the injury or just Ron Rivera's uh, incessantly obsessed with fucking JD McKissick. Um, but he's obviously the go-to guy if Gibson were to miss time. Jared Patterson's the guy behind him, the rookie out of Buffalo. Not too, too, too excited about. 
Um, he didn't play much in the fourth quarter. It was almost all J.D. McKissick. But Gibson can play through this. Um, I would be surprised if he don't miss some time at least like a week. They have their bye in week nine, I believe. So seven, eight could play through it maybe the two weeks. But who knows? Maybe they shut him down for the two weeks, let him rest and give him that third week and comes back week 10. We'll have to wait on uh, the MRI scan. The Colts receivers, man. I was fucking – so what I do basically during the games is the games kick off and then I have like my notes on my laptop and I start putting together different notes, you know, waiver wire, different injuries and shit together. And I had noticed, you know, last couple of weeks, Paris Campbell has been coming super involved in this offense, right? Michael Pittman's the blow-up guy. But Paris Campbell, he's celebrating, bro. He's, he's out there eating a little bit. And he was going to be a waiver wire pickup for me this week. Put him onto the list, scores a 51-yard touchdown, gets hurt. Foot injury, concerning because he's been dealing with foot injury for a while. Crossed him off. Put T.Y. Hilton on the list. He looked good. First game back. Hamstring injury. Crossed him off. So the Colts, again, banged up at the wide receiver position. Doesn't look like it matters. You just give the fucking ball to Jonathan Taylor. Good things will happen. Though Carson Wentz has looked way better the last couple weeks. Um, better matchups. He's getting a little bit more comfortable. The line's getting a little healthier. So good to see. I think the major beneficiary here, to be honest with you, is Mo Ali Cox. Had a good game. Um, yesterday scored the 30 yard ish touchdown should have had another 30 yard touchdown in his hands kind of dropped out. Um, uh, but he's starting to get more and more involved and become a bigger piece of the offense. So like Mo Alley Cox, the tight end pickup, we have the Kansas city chiefs, man. We got Kelsey, we've got Terry kill. Both came into the game a little bit bugged, but they ended up finishing the game. Both left the game at some point. Tariq with the quad re-injured it. Um, Travis Kelsey with the stinger. Got another stinger. I don't really know what the fuck this means at this point. We just keep throwing the word stinger out left and right. I'm about it. I'm with it. Stingers. Kelsey. That's all I can give you. Um, both, again, finish the game. But could be a problem for Kelsey going forward. We'll have to monitor reports. Um, and then we can kind of go from there. Alex Collins. Some sort of groin injury. Pete Carroll came out and said he's not out next week. So I don't think that's saying that like ruling him in for the game necessarily. I think what that's doing is just saying like he hasn't been ruled out yet. So he was playing super well last night against Pittsburgh, missed all of OT because he was hurt with the groin. And Pete Carroll said he's not out of next week. We've got to see how he handles it. Said Rashad Penny will be back from IR and will be full speed ready to roll. Okay. Pete Carroll, just add that to your long list of fucking lies. Um, so yeah, behind Alex Collins, I mean, again, we'll get we'll get into the games a little bit here. We will start to look at uh, the game by game breakdown. Everybody chilling in the chat. How we living? How we doing? How you learn? Uh Make sure you hit the thumbs up button. Also, if you enjoy, let's look. Let's take a look. Let's share my screen. No, no, no. There we go. Skirt. All right, let's get into, we had the Thursday night game between the Bucks, and y'all know you can right-click the scroller to open a new tab. My favorite trick of the century. Should we just open every game? No, it's probably going to make my computer explode. I think the new MacBook came out today. I'm usually a pretty big tech head. Like, I try to get the new tech when it comes out. Actually, that's a lie. I don't have the new iPhone. I definitely The new MacBooks are, like, too expensive to grab. If it pertains to me, and I think it'll help me do my work better, faster, more efficient, I'll usually dive into it. But I'm actually not just a huge tech guy. I don't just get it to get that shit. Like, I've never owned an Apple Watch. I hate all those fucking fitness bands, man. I don't know. I feel like I lose them or, like, I just don't use them once I get them. They're, like, really fucking exciting for about two hours. And then I'm like, fuck this. It's annoying on my wrist. All right. Uh, yes, let's start off with that Thursday night game. 
nothing new that you guys didn't already know here, um, except Leonard Fournette, man. He is really, really doing his thing out here. 22 for 81, two touchdowns on the ground, six catches, 46 yards through the air. And I really thought Gio was eventually going to start playing more of a passing down role when he got back and healthy, but it doesn't look like that's the case. Leonard Fournette's going to be like a rock-solid RB2 because the whole argument going into the year – I actually have a lot of stock in Leonard Fournette, and I think about it in underdog. The whole argument was like this was going to be a high-powered offense putting up 28, 35 points a game, and you want the running back. We just never knew who was going to be the guy, right? Was Gio going to take the pass-catching work? Was Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette going to split carries even? And super, super clear over the last couple of weeks that playoff Lenny's ready for the playoffs, bro. He dominated down the stretch last year, and he's absolutely doing his thing now. Um, so you keep firing him up as a as a rock-solid RB2. Antonio Brown doing his thing, um, as usual, again. Antonio Brown, Godwin, Evans, these are – it's kind of like what I said at the beginning of this video where I was talking about trying to, trying to master consistency. We know at the end of the year all three of these guys are probably going to end up as top 24 wide receivers. So stop trying to predict which weeks are going to be the top 24 weeks. You just put them into your lineup, and if you would like a top 24 wide receiver in your fantasy lineup, you got them. Because at the end of the year, they're going to be there. So if you put them into your lineup every week, guess what? You have a top 24 wide receiver in your fantasy lineup. Uh, on the Eagles side of things, there's just no consistency out of this passing game. So you start Jalen Hurts. You obviously can't start Miles Sanders. I guess it was kind of good, I guess, to see him take all of the carries. But every game plan going into the Buccaneers games are just not to run the ball. So 9 for 56, not involved in the passing game, not scoring touchdowns. So Sanders, again, just unplayable. I wouldn't say he's droppable right now, um, but, like, you just can't play him at all. Uh, Devontae Smith is struggling with consistency as well. He's a guy that, you know, you project him to be, what, a top 36 wide receiver going forward. So if your other options are worse than that for the rest of season, then you play those guys over Devontae Smith. If not, again, I'm probably not going to be trying to pick and choose where I where I play him, if that makes sense. I really hope that point gets across to you guys. I think that makes way more sense than trying to predict weekly projections, like trying to predict what a player is going to do on a, on a weekly basis. Like, yes, next week the Eagles might have a nice matchup, and you might think that means good shit for Devontae Smith. But if you project him to be the wide receiver 36 rest of season, and you have the wide receiver 30 on your bench, and you're doing sit starts between those two, it makes more sense to, to trot out the wide receiver 30. Uh, the other big news, I guess, was Zach Ertz goes to the Cardinals, and now Dallas Goddard becomes a rock-solid top 10 tight end find a fucking late. He's like actually like the tight end nine on the year, but he hasn't been doing shit. He was out for COVID. So I believe he'll be back next week. Zach Ertz goes to Arizona, which becomes interesting for sure. Cause Max Williams was doing his thing over there in Arizona as the tight end, but um, I'll start Ertz. I, th I think he'll be fine for fantasy. I, I wouldn't expect him to play like a major, major role considering they have about 10 guys on their offense to play major, major roles. Kyler Hopkins, green, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, James Connor. Like the list is fucking unfathomable. So Zach Ertz, and Dallas Goddard, I think are, I would prefer Goddard, but I think both of them are probably in like the tight end eight to 13 ish range. It's basically the fucking dead zone. Dolphins Jaguars. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, again, I, I keep thinking that he's, I, I think he's one of my favorite by, by players in fantasy football. He continues to get more and more comfortable with this offense. He continues to put up better production, uh, 320 through the air and a touchdown. Only 11 yards on the ground, but I think we'll continue to see that rise. James Robinson, the GOAT. Marvin Jones is a guy that, you know, tough to swallow those last couple bad weeks. But again, if you think he's going to be good going forward, keep putting him into your lineup. LaVisca, 10 targets, good to see, but they're just not. They just, they, he's clearly just not really like, 
he's not getting it going. At no point can you really put Visca into your lineup because at least like Marvin Jones will get the targets and then produce on him, or sometimes not even get the targets and produce. But Lavisca, at no point is he producing on any level, so he's just un uh, unreliable. I do really like Dan Arnold though as a pickup. We saw him get super involved early in the game, and I thought he was going to end up having a big game because he started off really early, just like catching balls and making big plays, and then uh, and then that kind of tailed off. But five targets, good to see again. It's only his third week with the fucking team, so I expect better things. On the flip side of the thing, we had Tua come and bike for the first time. 329 through the air, two touchdowns, interceptions, uh, one interception, adds 22 on the ground. Again, this backfield is a fucking mess. Gaskin coming off the big week, major disappointment. Most of you guys probably put him into your flex spots, unfortunately, at the wide receiver position. So we had Gasicki, who was a pretty fucking easy start. Nine targets, eight catches, 115 yards. Waddle was another semi-easy flex play because we had Devontae Parker out. We had Preston Williams out. We obviously have Jerkeen Grant not on the team anymore. We have Will Fuller out. So Will Fuller, basically the situation here is this. Will Fuller not eligible to return until week eight. Preston Williams is dealing with a core injury. He was limited in practice all week, so I do expect him to play in week seven. Devontae Parker dealing with a hamstring. He did not practice at all. He did travel with the team to London, but him not practicing, not even getting in a limited practice is more concerning than me being excited about him traveling to London. So monitor to Parker's involvement this week in practice closely. If he's out, if these guys are out again, obviously like Waddle Gasicki are uh, no brainer starts for you. Let me see what the Dolphins have up on their slates going forward. But you can't start anyone the running back in the backfield there. Tua is not a. I'm not. I'm not confident throwing Tua into my uh, into my lineup. Oh, they get the Falcons. Falcons, Bills, Texans. So you get two out of the next three matchups are really really spicy. So I think you can fire up Gesicki and Waddle pretty confidently. Packers Bears. Um, all right, so we're we're continuing to see like this split carries between Jones and AJ Dillon, but Jones catches four balls, thirty-four yards to the air, and a touchdown. So you continue to get like seventeen or eighteen touches out of Jones, and continue to get high valuable touches near the goal line. Continue to be the pass catcher there. So still no worries about Jones. He's a he's an RB one that maybe doesn't have like the weekly upside ceiling of you know going into the year. You might have had to choose between like Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, and it's pretty clear that on a weekly basis you have a higher ceiling out of Eckler because he can get you know 25 touches and catch eight balls and shit like that and it doesn't seem like Jones is going to get that with Dylan back there so uh you keep trotting out Aaron Jones Dylan's not a guy I'm con- like listen you can get he's gotten double digit touches I think in like three or four straight weeks but they're never really valuable touches he's not really getting goal line work he's not catching passes so not a guy I want in my lineup I don't want anybody else in the lineup outside of Devontae Adams on the Green Bay side of things uh, Chicago, Justin Fields continues to underwhelm, but at least he ran the ball a little bit. None of them were designed runs, unfortunately. So they're still not like game planning for Justin Fields. He is, uh, he's scrambling a little bit. So at least he's using his strengths there. Um, still not like really confident about getting him into your lineups, but at least it's good to see the rushing side of things. Khalil Herbert blew the fuck up. That was such an easy like blow up game to see coming with everybody dead in that backfield. He took 19 of 19 running back carries. He took all of the running back targets, three of them. Do they even have another fucking running back on the roster? Like, looking at this box score, no other running back was involved whatsoever. That's silliness. Um, so what I think is going to happen in this backfield, basically, Clue Herbert looked good. He was one of my top waiver wire pickups last week. He was a guy that um, I really liked coming out of college. I was glad he got his chance because now people could see that he's good. Clue Herbert, I believe, won. So Damian Williams was out with COVID. Or at least like on the you know on the COVID list. I don't actually know if he had COVID or not. 
But without a doubt, Khalil Herbert earned a significant role in this backfield while David Montgomery's out. I think Damian Williams will probably, you know, if if we're just projecting here, but I, I feel like he's going to be back next week. Damian Williams will probably become the two here. I think they'll still split time. I think they'll still split carries. Tough to say who's going to get the goal line work here. Could be 50-50. Um, I think they'll probably trust Khalil Herbert as a pass catcher, but they also trust Damian Williams as a pass catcher. What it means is like any upside that Damian Williams has is now gone. It's going to be very hard to start Damian Williams coming off, you know, like give me the guy that we just saw do it in a fucking untouched, raw, workhorse role. The guy that just did that and the guy not coming off of COVID, okay? So between the two of them, I will probably have, what's their matchup look like next week? The Bears play against the, let me just pull up the NFL schedule grid. You guys want to see like the entire NFL schedule all in one like quick sheet. Just Google NFL schedule grid, and then y'all can click on the first one from ESPN. It'll be there. So Chicago takes on, here we go. I have a fucking D. Could have just looked at that page before I exit out like a moron. Uh, Tampa Bay in week seven. Okay, so that's not necessarily a great matchup for running backs. Let's put it lightly. I'm going to be honest. I still might start Khalil Herbert there. I think uh, Herbert will probably be around the RB25 range. And Damian Williams more around like the RB30 to 32, 33 range next week. So I will be starting Herbert over Damian Williams. Um, and I probably won't be starting Williams unless I really, really need to, which might be the case because there's a fuckload of buys next week. We have Buffalo on a buy. We have Dallas on a buy. We have Jacksonville. We have the Chargers. We have Minnesota. And we have Pittsburgh. So that's Najee Harris. That's Dalvin Cook. That is Austin Eckler. That is James Robinson. That's Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, yeah, I'm not about to say really Zach Moss, but that's like four or five of the top 10 fantasy running backs right now. That's brutal. Um, so you might need to start Khalil Herbert if you have him. The wide receiver side of things, like Allen Robinson remains unstartable. Darnell Mooney putting up similar production to Robinson. He seems to be the one getting the touchdowns, though. So I guess, like, if you want to be a fucking asshole and start one of the Chicago wide receivers, it might just straight up be Mooney over Robinson at this point. Bengals, Lions, man. I can't, like, there is there are still people out there like, I can't believe people that are riding, the, like, the Penny Sewell. Now, I tweeted this out earlier this week, how, like, the three three of the biggest storylines this offseason, Dynasty Twitter's, like, high, most confident takes this entire draft season was um, the Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell pick was the worst pick in the history of the NFL. Uh, the Kadarius Tony pick as a first-round wide receiver was would have been the worst pick in the history of the NFL had Jamar Chase not been taken over Penny Sewell and uh, Justin Fields should have been the without a doubt number two quarterback off the board and no brainer number two pick those are the three like most confident takes out of everybody in the dynasty Twitter community um, and as usual they're wrong on like 99% of their takes Jamar Chase has transformed transformed this offense in a way that's like unexplainable I mean, you can just fucking watch the games. It's like anytime they need it, the, the, the chemistry between Burrow and Chase, I feel like they haven't missed on a deep ball yet. Every time Burrow chucks it up, it's, and he's not, he doesn't have the strongest arm. It's just pinpoint to chase every fucking time. And he comes down with it every time. Like the way that they've, imagine what this team would be like right now 
if Chase wasn't there. Like sick, they're gonna Penny Sewell is gonna be blocking for Joe Burrow so that he can throw the ball seven yards down the field to Tyler Boyd, or that, or so Joe Mixon can average four yards per carry instead of three yards per carry. Um, the the way the Jamar Chase pick looks incredible, like unbelievable compared to what Penny Sewell could do for this offense right now. He has just transformed it into a way that just opens it up. It opens up the entire game for Joe Burrow and this entire offense. Uh, just so much promise going forward. Four and two right now. Like who would have thought that? And like this offense, like T Higgins missed some time. Imagine Jamar Chase wasn't there. Like this offense would be so fucking bad. It, they would have not taken a step forward. They would have been the same Cincinnati offense that they've been for the last two years that everybody was complaining about. And now Jamar Chase has added this element that's just, you know, you can't put numbers into it, just what he's been doing, except that he leads the NFL in catches of 40 plus yards down the field with five of them. Okay. Joe Burrow, let's go. The, the, the Chris Evans 24 yard touchdown catch in the beginning of the game pissed me off so fucking bad because I was really high on mixing going into this week. I was like, without Samaji P. Ryan, this is like where they have to force um, targets to Joe. This is where they have to force touches to Joe Mixon. He's going to probably break out this game. So I was really, what the fuck is this? Um, I was really, really excited about Joe Mixon this week. Then Chris Evans scored, and I was like, fuck this. And then Joe Mixon ended up breaking away. Had a huge game, obviously. 18 for 94 on the ground, 5 for 59 through the air, which was beautiful. He had the 40-yard touchdown on the screen play. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, when Samaj P. runs back, I don't really have confidence Joe Mixon is going to play every down. I really don't. Um, but I hope he does. I really fucking hope he does. They play Baltimore. They play the Jets. They play Cleveland. Then they get their bye, Las Vegas. So, I don't know. Makes a good and bad teams. Great if you had Joe Mixon in the lineup. Uh, Tyler Boyd is really not looking good right now. It's kind of the same sentiment I had all offseason that was like, uh, you know, M Mike Meup put it well on Twitter. He's like hard for a beta uh, to show up when you have two alphas playing ahead of him. That's Boyd to Higgins and Chase. I'm not too worried about Higgins. I still think he's a great player. I, I still think his big games are ahead of him. So I'll, I'll try Higgins out again, like what I talked about in the beginning of the video. Higgins to me going forward is the wide receiver 28-30. And if you have the wide receiver 35, you play Higgins over him every week. If you have the wide receiver 25, you play him over T. Higgins going forward every week. So I'll keep trotting T. Higgins out, and I'll most likely be benching Tyler Boyd. On the flip side of things, Jared Goff is just miserable. This entire offense is just miserable. Like, DeAndre Swift continues to eat in garbage time. I really wonder, though, like, if this team, if Jared Goff wasn't so terrible and, like, he couldn't do anything besides look behind the line of scrimmage and put his team down 30 points within, like, a quarter, um, I wonder if DeAndre Swift would really be any good. He continues to get the goal line work, which is somehow, like, valuable in this offense that scores 10 points a game. Uh, but on the ground, man, DeAndre Swift has not been good on the ground. He is starting to take over that entire backfield, though. 13 carries to Jamal Williams, four, uh, seven targets to Jamal Williams, two. And Jamal Williams' targets went for one catch and negative two yards. But on the year, um, DeAndre Swift is averaging 3.3 yards per carry. So uh, crazy that Penny Sewell is not transforming that line's offense. It's crazy to see. Hawkinson finally had his bounce back game. Again, this is going back to that point. Like, we continue to project Hawkinson as top five wide uh, tight end. So the fact that he's coming off a bunch of bad games, like the big games are obviously coming. Yeah, DeAndre Swift, you continue to roll him out, and especially in PPR leagues. And, you know, he's going to get five dump-offs at the end of the game because that's the only thing that Slines offense can do. Texans, Colts. Uh, okay, so people that are struggling right now at the quarterback position in Superflex leagues, there's a chance that both Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Fitzpatrick are back next week in Week 7. Uh, Washington plays Green Bay. 
and I believe they're still without Jair Alexander. So you can move the ball against them a little bit. And Houston plays against Arizona. So they're going to have to score points. So uh, Davis Mills, there's a chance that they just stick with Davis Mills and continue to see what they have in him. But like when you're putting out performances like this, it's hard to stick with them. When Tyrod was um, pretty good in the beginning of the season. So with Tyrod, he's a pickup for me. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a pickup for me. I would prefer Fitzpatrick. I'm actually excited to see this Washington offense with Fitzpatrick. Because, listen, if Gibson's hurt, they're going to have to go super pass heavy. And it's going to be McKissick. Um, Ricky Steele Jones is playing really well with uh, with Logan Thomas out. And once they're once he's at, once he's back, they might just play a lot of two tight end sets, which could be kind of exciting because both those players are good. Terry's obviously a beast. Um, Deami Brown and Curtis Samuel are kind of banged up. So it's I don't know. But I, I would like Ryan Fitzpatrick if he does come back. So they are two pickups that you probably want to stash this week in case they come bike. Uh, Houston, obviously, again, you're never starting their running backs. Brandon Cooks had a little bit of bounce back game, but again, like super inconsistent with Davis Mills at quarterback. If Tyrod is back, though, then you could start firing up Brandon Cooks again as like a, a nice low end wide receiver too. Um, nine catches on 13 targets. So that was pretty beautiful to see on the flip side. Carson Wentz, this was my concern going in. It's like great matchup again. He did end up fine for fantasy, 223 through the air, two touchdowns, uh, but 20 attempts. 20 attempts. So if, you know, if he didn't hit on those really big plays down the field, he had a 52 yard T.Y. Hilton, the 51 yard touchdown to Paris Campbell, the 28 yard touchdown to Moiley Cox. Like he needs to be super, super efficient in order to have even 223 yards. So in games that we project them to, you know, beat the shit out of these opponents like Houston, it's going to be tough to uh, trust Carson Wentz, but you do have San Francisco next week, which could be a semi high scoring event. So I think you can, you know, you you could put him as your QB two in, in super flex leagues for sure. Jonathan Taylor continues to be the fucking man. T.Y. Hilton hurt. Paris Campbell hurt. So continue to fire up Michael Pittman again. I think Mo Ali Cox is a dude. I'm pretty sure Zach Pascal got hurt as well, maybe. Um, but Mo Ali Cox seems to be a nice little beneficiary of everything that's going on there. And he's the tight end to own there in Indy. What else do we got here? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Rams versus Giants. Go off, Snacks. Snacks went fucking nuts on his Twitter last night. He wrote up literally a note on his notepad app on his phone about like 10 takeaways. He was at the Giants game, obviously. He's got season tickets. Um, and he just went fucking insane. So go go follow Snacks on Twitter. Snacks underscore BDGE. Um, and you'll be entertained for a solid four minutes however whatever your reading comprehension level is however long it takes you to to read that shit he wants to burn it all fucking down and i don't blame him because they are terrible um but the big takeaways from this game nothing on the ram side really we know exactly what we have here cooper cups the god Darrell henderson apps rock solid rb1 going forward for the rest of the season there are not a, honestly at this point there are not a lot of running backs i would rather own than Darrell henderson in fantasy football there's a dude in our E-Town Get Down League right now, Joe, who actually play next week. Thank God he's got fucking Najee and James Robinson on a bye. He has Najee, James Robinson, Jonathan Taylor, and Darrell Henderson. And he gets to play two of those in running backs and two of those in flex spots. It's ridiculous. He's putting up like 185 a fucking week. It's gross. 
he's easy favorite right now to take home the, the fucking hardware. Uh, on the Giants side of things, again, we have uh, Kadarius Tony get hurt. So Sterling Shepard becomes the immediate pickup here. 14 targets, 10 catches, 76 yards. Basically, Sterling Shepard is like if you take Kadarius Tony and suck out his yak powers, that's what Sterling Shepard is. So high volume player will get you really, really solid PPR numbers. Uh, I think Tony's probably going to be out for a week. The Giants play Carolina next week, then KC and, and Las Vegas before their bye in week 10. So you've got a couple good matchups there that you could definitely fire Sterling Shepard up for. Even with Kenny Galladay, who's probably – I, I would think he's going to return next week. Could be wrong, though. Even if him and Darius Slayton are back, I'm still going with Sterling Shepard in my lineup for sure. Devontae Booker, I felt like this was a – like last week was a big waiver wire week for running backs, right? Darrell Williams, Cool Herbert, Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker felt like the easiest fade of those guys. Um, and he ended up 12 for 41 on the ground, 4 for 28 through the air. So not like a terrible day if you're in a PPR league. But like against the Rams defense, Devontae Booker's is not that good of a running back to begin with. Like there was there was nothing really going for him in this game outside of volume. And he did take all basically all the running back carries and almost all the running back targets. So that was good to see. Uh, and they'll get an easier matchup. But Carolina's a pretty good run defense. Um, so I'm not like super excited to, to play him. But, you know, he's a flex play for sure in these bye weeks with Saquon Barkley out. But I'm not like, you know, he's not he was never anywhere near like the Darrell Williams and, and like going forward the Khalil Herberts uh, at this point in the rankings. Chiefs and Washington, Darrell Williams does his thing, 21, 62, and two tugs on the ground. Uh, Derek McKinnon was an afterthought, as he has been most of his NFL career. Patrick Mahomes, 400 yards, two touchdowns, has a couple interceptions that, again, like continue not to be his fault. I'm really happy that the Chiefs pulled away a fucking dub, although those receivers keep letting interceptions slip through his fucking hands, uh, through their hands like Terry Kill and shit. Again, the, the thing to monitor in this game is definitely going to be Terry Kill's quad and Travis Kelsey's quote-unquote stinger, um, both in 12 targets for Hill, 11 targets for Travis Kelsey. Uh, Darrell Williams does get a little bit involved in the passing game, four targets, three catches, 27 yards. So if either, you know, if those guys miss time, we obviously want to look on the waiver wire for guys like Nicole Hardman, you know, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, uh, in that order probably. But nothing nothing else really to take away from the Chiefs side of things. Washington, Taylor Heineke is, is just stinks relative to NFL quarterbacks. Really, really, really terrible. Um, JD McKissick is probably one of the top pickups this week. Is again, I don't know what's going to happen with Gibson. I don't know if he's going to miss time. I kind of expect him to miss time. And if he doesn't, like, there's going to be some sort of re injury. Uh, there's nothing good to feel about Antonio Gibson going forward right now for fantasy owners, which means JD McKissick owners should feel pretty fucking good. Eight carries, 45 yards on the ground. Uh, Jared Patterson literally had one carry yesterday, had one target. JD McKissick had 10 targets, eight for 65. When you have a shit quarterback like uh, Taylor Heineke, who can't hit receivers down the field, he's going to dump off a lot to J.D. McKissick. So J.D. McKissick becomes a, a really, really nice waiver wire pickup for y'all. They get the, again, Green Bay Packers, Denver, the next two weeks. So not like high-paced games whatsoever, but they're going to be down. They're going to need um, to throw the ball a lot. So J.D. McKissick should be involved. I hope Ryan Fitzpatrick is back. Ricky Seals-Jones continues to dominate and just play on 100% of the snaps, run 100% of the routes, 458 and a tugger. Uh, big play, 39-yard touchdown here. So Ricky Seals-Jones, you continue to fire him up as a tight end one as long as Logan Thomas is out. Uh, Terry McLaurin, down game, but again, like Terry's top 15 wide receiver, you just keep trotting him out in your lineup. No one else you can really trust or play on the Washington side of things. I do expect, for the record, Jared Patterson to obviously be way more involved next week, but I don't see a ceiling 
of more than like 10 carries maybe. He's not an explosive running back. He's slow. He doesn't have like explosiveness, breakaway speed. So Gibson was already pretty fucking terrible as a fantasy option. And the only reason that he was like providing you any fantasy upside was one, the goal line work two big plays. Patterson does not have big play in him. We don't know if he's going to get the goal line work. So like 10 carries for 50 yards, you can enjoy that. But JD McKissick is going to get the valuable work in that backfield if Gibson misses time. Vikings Panthers. This was a really fucking fun game. Kirk Cousins. 373, three touchdowns, beautiful for Adam Thielen, beautiful for Justin Jefferson, big game for KJ Osborne and Tyler Conklin. That's just going to come as a product of Kirk going for 400 yards. The biggest takeaway here was obviously Dalvin Cook, 29 carries, 140 yards, and a tugger. Wish he was more involved. It's so fucking annoying that Madison will get six catches for 50 yards every time he's playing, but Dalvin Cook, two targets, two catches, three yards. I mean, the beautiful thing is just to see 31 touches, though. 31 touches coming off the injury with three touches for Alexander Madison. So it wasn't even like Alexander Madison was so good that we think he earned, you know, my worry wasn't about it being a timeshare. It was more so like Dalvin cook going from 95% of the snaps down to like 75%, which I feel like would have been smart given that they have the buy next week and just not to re-injure that ankle. But clearly they have the utmost confidence in Mr. Cook. And now he's got the bye week coming up. So he should be fully, fully healthy week eight. You got Dallas, Baltimore, chargers, green Bay, after that so really 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 optimistic if you are a Dalvin Cook owner pessimistic if you are a Sam Darnold owner looked so good in the beginning of the year and just stinks right now um 17 for 41 five yards per attempt one touchdown one reception 207 yards takes four sacks did get it done on the ground in garbage time went four for 48 but like just a shitty shitty outing Chuba Hubbard though you know, with Christian McCaffrey re-injuring his hamstring on the IR, Chuba becomes the guy again, not splitting carries with anybody. Uh, Chuba had 16 carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Royce Freeman, one carry. That was it. That was the only other running back carry. And in terms of targets, Chuba saw three of them, didn't turn any of them into anything, but he was the only running back that did see a carry, which was obviously good going forward. Carolina gets the Giants, Atlanta, and New England in the next three. So he should be an obvious start, uh, you know, a rock-solid top 15-ish player against the Giants in Atlanta. So feel good about owning Chuba Hubbard, obviously. DJ Moore, 5 for 73, 13 targets. So down game as is everybody's down game with Sam Darnold playing like a piece of shit. No one else you can start in this Carolina offense right now. Chargers versus Ravens. I don't know what the fuck happened on the Chargers side of the ball, but I guess it was because I played against a a Herbert Eckler stack last week. They threw up 90 against me. So naturally they don't do fucking anything this week. Uh, just a bad game. You wipe off the entire slate. Keenan, Eckler, Mike Williams, nothing you could really uh, do here because you know how fucking good Justin Herbert. I love that Brandon Saley's just like, fuck it now. To, uh, on our own 20-yard line, fourth and eight, fuck it. Fuck it. We got Herbert. That's what I That's what I would do if I was a coach. Love to see him playing like Madden. More often than not, it works out for them. So bad game. The Baltimore fucking offense is just... You know, even with 34 points in a game where Lamar Jackson throws for 167 yards and two interceptions, just unreal. So Latavius Murray, again, might be dealing with a high ankle sprain. We saw Devonta Freeman, nine for 53 and a touchdown on the ground. Le'Veon Bell, eight for 18 and a touchdown on the ground. So I would think Devonta Freeman looks a lot better. looks a lot stronger, looks a lot more explosive. I think they trust him a lot more than they do Le'Veon Bell. I do think Tyson Williams, again, will be active next week and play a little bit of a role. but. Going forward, you know, looking at the score too, like Devonta Freeman had two targets, um, Le'Veon Bell had zero targets, 
So it seems like Devonta Freeman would probably be the main beneficiary of this. Again, we have no fucking idea how it's going to break up next week or going forward. The Ravens play against the Cincinnati Bengals before getting a bye, then Minnesota, Miami. So Devonta Freeman would be my top waiver wire pickup most likely. But I guess if you're in a deeper league, even maybe like a 12-team league, I think all three of these guys are worth rostering if you have the room. Might be tough because a lot of bye weeks and injuries and shit. So Freeman would be my top target in this backfield. Mark Andrews continues to just ball the fuck out. Marquise Brown, I believe, was like a fingertip away from having another like monster, monster game. He has left like 200 fantasy points on the his fingertips are filled with 200 fantasy points right now. Um, I would continue to roll up Marquise Brown. Interesting to note, though, Rashad Bateman's first game bite had a brutal drop, but six targets. He actually out targeted Marquise Brown. Didn't do shit with him. Uh, so better days, obviously, ahead. I think you continue to roll out Andrews, obviously, Marquise Brown. Bateman's not a guy I want in my lineup right now. I want to see him do it uh, and, and put up some production on the field before I feel at like any comfortability with him right now. But he's definitely someone that I want to roster. Cardinals, Browns, Kyler Murray, four touchdowns. So we are not concerned about the shoulder or the bicep or whatever he was supposed to be dealing with. And we are seeing this backfield. Uh, sorry to say it, y'all, but... James Conner is exactly what Kenyon Drake was last year. This was my concern. It was, it's funny because I ended up drafting Chase Edmonds in E-Town Get Down, but all offseason. Like, I made videos about it. Edmonds was basically in my bus category, and I made a couple of YouTube shorts, which I got reamed out on for saying that, like, the easiest fade in fantasy football was Chase Edmonds in the sixth round. And my biggest concern was that, like, James Conner is going to probably end up playing exactly what Kenyon Drake played last year. And... You know, Chase Edmonds came out, ran for a 40-yard run, like, immediately off the bat when this game started. And then for the remainder of the game, it was 16 carries for James Conner, and he looked pretty good to three carries for Chase Edmonds. So he's playing the exact same role he did last year where he's getting four, five, six targets a game, but just a handful of carries. Um, so really, really hard to trust Chase Edmonds right now in your lineups. He's like a PPR, PPR flex play at that. Uh, again, obviously, this kind of game script – when they're up 37 to 14, when they're up huge, is not going to be good for Chase Edmonds. It's going to be much better for James Conner. And I'd like to say, like, it won't happen all the time, but the Cardinals are so fucking good. Like, next week, they play Houston. Like, James Conner is going to get 20 carries in this game. They, they might win by 52 points. I actually want to see what the spread on that is right now in uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. I would say the early spread's got to be, like, 21 points, which is one of the highest I could think of in a long time. the Rams minus 15 against the Lions. I actually kind of like the Lions to cover that Cardinals minus 17 at home against the Texans and Houston actually has the juice too, which is interesting. I would take that right now. I would take Cardinals minus 17. There's no fucking way that the Houston keeps up anywhere near with the Cardinals. Uh, so that's going to be a James, a big James Conner day, like really hard to trust Chase Edmonds. I'd almost say like it might be good. And Chase Edmonds might be a, might get a garbage time goal line carry. Like we're flipping the script. Like James Conner's a goal line back or the goal line back in regular situations and, and the garbage time guy. But now James Conner's the regular guy and Chase Edmonds can get some goal line back bullshit trash carries. Uh, so I would start James Conner over Chase Edmonds next week for sure. But that it's probably going to be matchup dependent. Again, with the wide receivers, like you just continue to roll them out as you predict them to be rest of season. A.J. Green is uh, probably 
him and Christian Kirk are probably both like low end wide receiver threes going forward, right? That's not going to change on a week to week basis. If they have a bad game next week, I'm not going to say, oh no, they're wide receiver fives now. Cause then the next week they're gonna have a good game. Same fucking thing each week. These were the games that, you know, you could have started them if you believe in their wide receiver three status. DeAndre Hopkins, not getting a ton of volume, but two touchdowns. Good to see. Obviously uh, we already talked kind of in depth on the Cleveland Browns backfield situation. So you can go back to the beginning of the video. I think that was like one of the first things I started off with, as well as just subscribe. We'll do an in-depth waiver wire video for tomorrow. Cream Hunt, calf strain is going to be out a, a minute. De- uh, Dearness Johnson becomes the number one pickup there. You guys can continue to get cute about Felton playing the hunt role, but he literally hasn't gotten a carry yet this year. Wide receiver thing is uh, a little bit interesting here. I do believe Jarvis Landry will play. Again, they play on Thursday. So everything injury-wise can be a concern here because Baker Mayfield like re-fucking-separates his shoulder. He's got to be in so much pain today. I can't even imagine what that shoulder feels like. I'd be popping perks if I were him left and right. Donald Peoples-Jones. Diamond Peoples-Jones. Five targets, four, one-on-one, two touchdowns. He had that Hail Mary at the end of the first half, which obviously boosted up his stats. Same thing with Baker. Um, I, we haven't seen a lick of consistencies from DPJ this, uh, in, in his NFL career thus far, he's only been in the year for two in the NFL for like two years, obviously. So hard to, hard to get consistent in that, in that sense, but not a guy I'm really confident in. I think like Jarvis Landry coming back is the guy to own Odell. I don't know if he's going to play, but like, this is just, you know, Baker's super banged up, uh, again, both their offensive tackles were out this week. So like, keep a really close eye on that as well. Too many moving parts to really predict what's going on going forward. All I'll say, though, if you're like thinking about wide, uh, waiver wire right now, it's Uranus Johnson in his own tier on this team. Donald's Peoples-Jones, if you really want to get cute, I highly doubt we see anything out of him next week. Felton, if you're in a PPR league, maybe. I don't. I really don't think this changes his role that much, though. He, he's he's a wide receiver, and he's run thirty. He's played on 35 snaps this year, his entire year. Okay, we've got three more games. We've got the Raiders-Broncos. What a game. What a legacy. You know what? John Gruden left an incredible playbook for the Raiders. That's what I'll say. Their car, 341, two touchdowns. Kenyon Drake gets involved. I know everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, so smart of the fucking new regime to get Kenyon Drake involved. He had fucking six touches. Like, relax. Yes, two of them went for touchdowns. So, of course, it looks good in the box score. But Josh Jacobs dominated carries. 16 to four, 16 53 and a touchdown. So he looked okay. Only got one target, went for 29 yards. though. so nice little, nice little thing there. I actually really like Josh Jacobs going forward. I feel like he's kind of like a buy low right now. They play Philly next week. They got a buy. Then the giants, the, uh, the chiefs, the Bengals, Dallas. So some decent matchups coming up. I, I, Josh Jacobs has been super, super involved. And I guess his offense ain't going to skip a beat with Gruden out of town. Um, so Kenyon Drake's not a guy that I'm like super targeting on the waiver wire had, you know, had, uh, if it was like six touches and five of them came through the air, maybe I'd be like, okay, he's going to be the passing down back. But like, we're not predicting him to get 20 yard touchdown runs. Henry Ruggs, guy we're really looking at the waiver wire. Henry Ruggs tweeted out like a thread on Henry Ruggs earlier today. And if you're not following me on Twitter, you could go do so at Nick Ercolano. I actually have a really good announcer name. Like, if I ever did a if I was ever into like boxing or some shit, the announcer would probably get fucking lit when I came out. Um, let's see. So Henry Ruggs has the same number of fantasy points this year as Keenan Allen right now. Jamar Chase is the only player with five in the NFL with more 40 plus yard catches than Henry Ruggs. Ruggs is 13th among wide receivers in receiving yards, but tied for 48th in targets. Get this man more fucking targets, 
right now he's tied for 13th in the NFL in receiving yards. Like, yes, it's not fun to get four targets a game, but him and Carr have like really, really synced up on the downfield connections and he's catching like all of them. Whereas last year he wasn't catching any of them and it was shitty and it was ugly, but like Ruggs has looked very, 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 very good. Um, so he's a guy that I would be looking for on the, on the waiver wire. And he's a guy that you can put into your flex play. He's had over 50 receiving yards in every game except week one. So every game since week one, he's had over 50 receiving yards. Um, and he's had some big games. So I, I, I like what we're seeing out of, out of Henry Ruggs. Uh, I don't like what we're seeing out of Teddy Bridgewater. Three interceptions is fucking gross. That backfield, same sentiment every single week. They are splitting carries. They're splitting carries. They're splitting carries. We want to see Jamonta Williams start getting more work. It's just not happening. We're going to need an injury. We're going to need to, we're going to need to see Melvin Gordon re-aggravate whatever the fuck he's dealing with on a weekly basis. So both of them, again, like you're just guessing who scores a touchdown. So both of them are, are like RB threes flex plays. Maybe on the receiving side of things, uh, as expected, Fant, Sutton, Patrick, all eight in a game where Bridgewater went three thirty four and three touchdowns. So you continue to trot them out. I believe Jerry Judy should be returning next week. I believe Jerry Judy should be returning. Here's what I'll say makes me less confident in putting Patrick in my flex spot for sure, but I'm probably not trotting out Judy anywhere unless I'm super fucking desperate, right? He's coming off the high ankle sprain. He hasn't played in five weeks or whatever, six weeks, maybe actually it's fucking yeah, six weeks. Cause week one is when it happened. It's about to be week seven. So very clearly a very serious injury, probably going to be limited in his first game back. Will that limit his production? I don't know. I'd rather not take a chance. So I'm going to continue to try it out Cortland Sutton, continue to try it out Noah Fant until we see Judy like comfortably back into that role that he had in week one. Cowboys, Patriots. Uh, Dak Prescott, I guess the biggest takeaway here was that calf strain that he had at the end of the game, but throws for 445 yards, three touchdowns, really big game. Uh, Zeke, super involved, 24 touches, seven of them through the air. So ends up with like 120 yards, really big game in PPR, obviously. Doesn't get in the end zone. Neither is Tony Pollard. So a little bit disappointing from that front. But we know what we know what we have in those two guys. And there was nothing different this game to really talk about. CD Lamb, nine for 149, two touchdowns, as well as that walk-off touchdown. This is like this was kind of the argument all offseason. Like who was going to be the wide receiver to own here? And uh very clearly CD Lamb. Not that this game really changed anything. Dalton Schultz continues to fucking eat and be like Schultz is performing better than Amari Cooper most games. Um, so Schultz, you continue to fucking throw him out there as a really nice tight end one. Mark Cooper, a little bit concerning, a little bit concerning. I think we start to look at him as like a uh, more of like a low end wide receiver, too, or maybe like a you know top 20 guy, but not uh, an every week, like top 15 borderline wide receiver one like CeeDee Lamb is. He's he's staying involved, but he's like the production is just not really coming. He's not making a lot of downfield plays, whereas CeeDee Lamb is like the clear downfield threat here. So CeeDee Lamb for sure over Mark Cooper going forward rest of season. Not that I need to tell y'all on the flippy flip side of things mac jones was eh, uh, really like egregious statistics outside of the kendrick Bourne touchdown on broken coverage uh but damian harris looked fucking amazing bro damian harris is straight i feel like damian i feel like his nickname should be the bull the bull run the bull rush something around a bull because like this dude when he gets carries just puts his fucking head down and it's nearly impossible to tackle him the first defender like you know like Derek, listen having to like a a, a big lane via Derrick Henry's offensive line is like a scary thing for a D-back. But I'm going to be honest, bro. Seeing Damian Harris come through a wide open hole is probably like a, just a tiny bit less scary for defensive backs. This dude is a fucking beast. 18 carries, 101 yards, and a tug. Only a target, catches it for seven yards. But no, none of the running backs really got involved in the passing game. Ramondre Stevenson did get three catches for 39 yards, did have five carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. But 
uh, it is worth noting, obviously, Damian Harris did limp out of this game at one point, and that's really when Ramondre Stevenson went in on the goal line. That was like Damian Harris literally carried the entire Cowboys defense down the field for that entire drive, and then he came, he limped out at like the seven-yard line. So don't look at Ramondre Stevenson's game and be like, oh, he's getting involved more because he's fucking not. Damian Harris did come out at the end of the uh, game, though, press conference, and did say he feels fine. Like a little bit beat up, but should be fine going forward. So you continue to roll him out as like a, you know, a, a decent RB2 flex play there. Uh, Jacoby Myers out here just fucking getting hand jobs instead of having sex still, getting in two-point conversions, instead of scoring touchdowns, got one called back again. Honestly, I feel for the dude. Um, Hunter Henry gets in the end zone again, but this is kind of what I was saying in the waiver wire pickup show last week where I was like, yes, Henry keeps scoring, but like he keeps uh, like finishing below 50, 40 yards, like two for 25 and a touchdown on two targets. I don't fucking know, dude. I, I guess you can. I, I think I, I think you could find better options at at tight. Like I would much rather prefer Ricky Seals Jones. Um, I would say like I, I think Dan Arnold is more involved in his offense than Hunter Henry is, though Henry has a lot more touchdown upside because we keep seeing him get involved in the red zone. So Henry, I'm still very weary about Henry because everything's just touchdown related right now for him. Jacoby Myers leads the team in targets again, gets six of 21 targets. So that's a very that's almost like 28 to 30 percent of the target share. But he's only a PPR play right now because he's not scoring any any touchdowns. Last game of the evening, Seattle versus Pittsburgh. Geno played admirably. We'll put it that way. Alex Collins played more admirably. But again, he is a little bit banged up right now. 20 for 101 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Only had a one target, though. Travis Homer uh, involved a little bit, especially um, between him and DJ Dallas on the ground. DJ Dallas was like a kind of like a wide receiver slash running back in college at Miami. So the five targets for 33 yards, five catches is not really a surprise. If um, Collins misses time too, and Chris Carson continues to miss time, DJ Dallas would be my favorite here. He got more carries than Homer and he's a better pass catcher there. So I like DJ Dallas. We saw him last year. Uh, there was a couple games where Carson was out where um, DJ Dallas got like 18 to 20 touches, scored a touchdown or two. So he was a good fill-in. But again, like Pete Carroll said, and it's probably lying about Rashad Penny's going to be a full go next week. So this is a really, really messy backfield to get involved with. They play the Saints, which is a tough run defense. Um, and Chris Carson could be back. You never know. So I'm not busting a lot of fab out to get any of these guys. But from the guys on the screen right here, the one guy I would want is DJ Dallas. DK Metcalf unsurprisingly uh, leads the team or ties with the team lead in targets with Tyler Lockett. But I expect DK Metcalf to be the highest producer continuing going forward as you know, Smith is under center Tyler Lockett. Again, like I said, last week, once the injury happened, he's nothing more than like a, a, a decent flex play. If that realistically uh, DK Metcalf is probably like a low end wide receiver too, because who knows how many touchdowns this team is going to throw for big Ben. Big Ben ripping off a couple dubs. Look at him leading his team to a three and three record against the shit teams. Um, Najee Harris, just like the ultimate fucking breakout year, huh? 30 touches, 127 yards from scrimmage, another touchdown, another seven fucking targets. What a disappointing day from Chase Claypool, man. That hurts my fucking heart. Deontay Johnson, 13 targets, nine catches, 71 yards. Like I say, you guys have so many sit star questions about Deontay Johnson, and it never makes sense for me. He also had a 25 yards on the ground. You fire up Deontay Johnson every single week. He is a lock to get double-digit targets, especially with Juju out. Like, it's every single week. Chase Claypool coming off the really big game next week or last week. Seven targets, two catches, 17 yards. Of course, I had him in my lineup over, like, A.J. Green, over Marvin Jones. And honestly, like, process-wise, I probably would have done that again. Uh, with Chase Claypool, 
disappointing day. They do have a bye in week seven, and then they take on Cleveland, Chicago. So a tough group of matchups, depending on what the status of the Cleveland cornerback group is. I know they're a little banged up right now, I believe. Um, we'll see what we want to do with Chase Claypool, but I'm still going to have faith in him with Juju out, and he's still going to be like a guy that gets a lot of targets. So I will still probably roll him out as a flex play when he comes back from the bye in week eight and be confident enough in him because he has those ceiling games that we saw last week. Pat Fryerman with the rookie, seven targets, 58 yards on seven catches. So nice little blow-up game. I don't think he's like someone I'm about to spend a lot of fab on. I don't think he's someone I'm excited about because I don't think we're going to see consistency out of him. Though clearly he's taking over as a pass catcher for Eric Ebron. And listen, with Juju out, man, maybe maybe he does become like the over-the-middle, the the, uh, the easy dump-off target, even though like literally everybody in this offense is the over-the-middle dump-off target. But maybe Pat Frymuth actually just picks up what Juju did. Um, so he's a guy to keep an eye on, tight end premium or two tight end leagues or something like that. Frymuth should probably definitely be owned going forward. Let's see what the Twitter note he's got going on. EPG performance tart. What does this mean? Where do you get fantasy points from? It's a little off. Unless they didn't update this shit. Yahoo is half PBR standard scoring. And when we go to... Wide receiver 26, 27, 67.4. Wide receiver 26 and 27. Not copy. All right, uh, I believe that is the recap for this week. Thank you all for hanging around. Um, oh, my camera was unplugged. Have you guys been hearing me? I hope the audio didn't go off. Ugh. How was my camera unplugged? It wasn't fucking unplugged, you bums. When will we get the waiver wire video? It's the same Tuesday every week. Tuesday, tomorrow morning. Oh, you guys want some underdog picks. That's true. Let's get it. Let's get some underdog picks in here. Let me get my camera going back. Let me unplug. There we go. I missed you guys too. Yeah, let's talk some underdog. Who's playing tonight? The uh, the Bills and the Titans. Oh, Lord. That's going to be a tough one. I, already, I could already tell. Yeah, and if y'all are not already on underdog and making the over-under picks and, and pick them games and shit like that, when you deposit 10 bucks and you use promo code BDGE, you're going to get a $10 deposit match. So we could throw $20 down and make some revenue, baby. Baby. Um, all right, let's look at the pick'em games. Underdog Fantasy, the link to download Underdog will also be right in the description. The description.
God, all these YouTube channels sold out to Underdog. So sad. Bro, I've been working with Underdog for four years. I was doing drafts on their platform when they were called the fucking draft platform before I was working with them. I was doing best ball drafts on draft four years ago. And I posted one on Twitter. And the head of marketing for draft at the time hit me up, lived in Brooklyn. We went out for drinks. We made a beautiful partnership. Then draft got fucking deleted from the earth by FanDuel, cunts. And then guess what? The team from draft created underdog. And because it was such a natural fit, I was like, I need in on underdog. And you know what? Now underdog went from raising their seed round at 10 million to their series A for 100 million. And they're going to raise a new round soon for about a billion billion. We're going to get rich as fuck. And it's thanks to you guys for supporting me, but not thanks to losers like this fucking guy. You sold out the underdog, bro. You're probably a fucking virgin when I started working with them. You're a different case them. And how about you close your mouth hole, take your fingertips off your phone before yapping. Picks. Let's get it. 25.5 completions. Josh Allen, 33 and a half rushing. That's a lot of rushing yards for Josh Allen, I feel like. Zach Moss, 47 and a half rushing yards. Uh, how do you guys feel like this game plays out? The spread right now is minus six. The spread right now is minus six. In Tennessee, I keep wanting to think that like Buffalo is going to absolutely uh, blow them out, but maybe that's not the case. Is this like, is this, this feels like an overlook game where everyone's like, wow, Tennessee is terrible. And then they kind of shock the world. I don't think that's going to happen whatsoever. I do like, oh, why is Zach Moss only at 16 and a half receiving yards? Devin Singletary, nine and a half receiving yards. I really like the over on these running back plays. Bro, what does this even fucking mean? I'm the same loser who laugh at you for getting and claiming I have COVID, bro. Did your goof ass forget sickness exist? What do you mean I'm claiming I had COVID? Like I went to like four fucking different places that all came back with positive tests. Aw, Mr. Chemo, are you sad? Uh, I'm a premier subscriber on YouTube. Should I cancel that sub? I'm going to be honest with you. I set up like the YouTube, like if you're on YouTube right now, there's a thing that says like subscribe or whatever. I don't actually know what it means. I just like set it up one day kind of accidentally, but I'm not even sure if there's any perks that come with it. I do know, I do know that uh, we do have our membership platform though on bdg.store forward slash community. That's where you should probably sign up. Ah, you know what? That's funny because I don't even play rivals really. I've actually never done the rivals. Let's let's look at that and see what we got comparisons wise. Receiving yards, Zach Moss plus one and a half. 
Ryan Tannehill plus 51 passing yards. Buffalo's defense is just so fucking good, though. See, rushing yards for Tannehill plus 16 and a half is something I really like. That that is something I'm probably going to take. What is it? 10 to pay out 10? Grab another one in here. Again, if you use promo code BDG, you're going to get $10 deposit. Rush yards. Devin Singletary plus 19 and a half. Eh. Uh, there's only football ones left. All right, we're going to throw down this one. I like I like Tannehill plus 16 and a half. Do I have to pick two? Do I have to pick more than one? Fuck. Uh, let's see. I want to look at some snap counts over the last couple of weeks between the running back group. Shooby doop deep bop. It's warm in here. All right, let's look at snap counts between the running back, actually. See, let me pull this down for you guys so y'all can see it. This is on uh, lineups.com, by the way. Okay, so um, week three, 43% to Zach Moss is 56, 44 to 56. Week five, what happened last week? Were they in uh, – I feel like the Bills absolutely fucking dominated someone last week. Am I tripping? Let me use my phone because otherwise this shit's going to take forever. I feel like that was game, game script de- – like the reason why Zach Moss got so much more play time, but I think they're actually playing around a similar 38 to 20 against Kansas city. Yeah. It's actually really fucking hard to tell. Um, I feel like Devin Singletary is going to get nearly the same amount of play time as Zach Moss. I know he stinks. Both of them honestly aren't that good, but I'll probably take Singletary plus 19 and a half rushing yards here. Even though I don't know if I believe that at all. I don't think I do. You know what? Fuck this. I'm just going over under. I'm out of here. What? Why'd they take the Zach Moss line off? God damn it. I want to go over 47 and a half rushing yards for Zach Moss. I'll go over nine and a half receiving yards for him, though. Uh, what else do we got here? I'm going to go under 33 and a half rushing yards for Josh Allen. Oh, you could do a rival and a motherfucking pick them. Let's go. Look at me working with them. I don't even know how this shit works. All right, so that's what we're going to pick. We're going to go over nine and a half receiving yards for Singletary. And plus 16 and a half rushing yards for Josh Allen. That's going to 3x our money. Again, if you're new to underdog, first time you deposit 10 bucks, use the promo code BDGE and you're going to get a $10 deposit match. So you could throw a 20 piece down like I'm about to actually. 20 for 60. Let's get this breed. All right. That's it. 
That's all I got for you beautiful people. Thank you all for uh, hanging around with me for today's recap video. Again, tomorrow's video will be waiver wire uh, up probably at 5 a.m., depending on if I feel like doing that fucking video tonight or possibly around noonish, whatever. But it will be up on the channel tomorrow. Subscribe to that channel right below. There's a button that says subscribe. If you throw the D in it, hang, it'll say subscribed. Uh, thumbs up if you enjoyed the video. If someone wants to do timestamps, whoa, that'd be legendary. Otherwise, uh, fuck timestamp YouTube. Love you. Matter here.